the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one will continue our studies from the book of Jude. You know, you must never forget the promises. When you have faith in God, when you believe the promises, you must never forget the promises of God. The scripture said that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. But what happens when you don't know the promises? Or when you're, you are not interested or you're reckless about the promises. You must know the promises and you must believe them. When you say we are free, when you say I am free, scriptures say he, he whom the son sets free is free indeed. You know, then what's this battle we struggle with? Is the battle of believing it. How many times, hopefully in the past, have we done wrong things? With the mindset that there's no no use. This is me. How many times have I ever told you, I guess I'm just like this. How many of you have ever told yourself that? I guess that's just how I am. I don't know what's wrong with me. I guess this is how I am. I'm just like that. You see, so the Lord says something else. He says you're a new creature. All things are past. And the enemy and your flesh and your brain says, no, it's the same you. Haven't really changed. And when we choose to believe the enemy, whenever we choose to believe the enemy above what the Lord says. We are making the Lord a liar and we are telling ourselves we are not free. When the Lord says you are free, it means you are free to do his will. You are not free to sin or to do evil, but you are free to go out and obey his commands. That's what we are free to do. We are free to conquer the devil. We are free to operate far above principalities and powers. We are not meant to act as though we are under them or believe like we are under them or obey them like we are under them. We are not supposed to act as though anything is stronger than us because in Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have victory in Christ Jesus. It's when we believe it, then we are in Christ Jesus. When we doubt it, we step out of the environment that God placed us. When the Lord paid the price for us and took us out from under the yoke of sin and death, why do you think he tells you, reckon yourself as dead to sin? But many times we believe, oh yeah, we are still subject to sin. But God is saying, no, you are dead to sin baptized into death when you got baptized and gave your heart to jesus and got baptized you were baptized into christ jesus the power of sin was officially cancelled now while sin tries to still walk in your members after that he tells you as we saw clearly uh, last month that you have the choice of yielding your body parts as 
servants again to sin. That means you have to go back to sin and say, I want to serve you again. Or you remember what the Lord has done and tell sin, go sit down, sin. I am not, sub- I'm not subject to you anymore. You can't dictate the direction of my life. If you've ever tasted freedom, then you should know that you were freed from it. If you've been in bondage for long times, long periods, you know what it means to be in bondage to sin. If you experience freedom even for a week, what does that tell you? Do you mean God was mocking you? No. I'm sure almost everyone here knows what it means to be free from the grip of sin. Even if it was just for a day or a week, what do you think happened? You walked away from your first sin and you stood aside. What you're experiencing later where you say, it seems I went back to my ways, my sins. Or it seems it was not really broken. What do you mean by it was not really? Didn't you feel the freedom? Didn't you walk in it? That's like saying, listen to what that's like saying. That's like saying, I used to be in a prison that was as small as the distance from the wall here, about two meters by two meters. I could never go beyond this in my desire to do God's will. Whenever I tried, within a day or two, I'm back. I could never go beyond this all my life. I tried, I struggled, one thing or the other. Sin had its lock in me. Then you found out that you were able to walk free, not just the distance of two meters. You found yourself going far, far. You felt, wow, what's this wow? I didn't fall to that issue. This is a week. This is two weeks. This is a month. Unbelievable. Is this me enjoying church? Whoa. Wow. And and all of that. And then two months later, six months later, whenever, the enemy is able to batter you into a certain state. You now find yourself again. Two meters. Oh, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. I thought, huh? I was hoping for too much. I thought I could be free. You see, I'm still bound. I still am subject to this weakness. So what happened when you went, wandered as far as 10 kilometers? What was that? Are you now saying, um, well, that was just, just an illusion of my mind. I was still within the same small boundary, but I, I pretended that I was free. Tell the truth. Were you pretending? Were you pretending when you were worshipping God and crying and loving Him and saying, I love you, I want to do your will? Were you pretending, faking it in the middle of it? Were you saying, act, act, come on, act it. Uh, um, you know, uh, This temptation you're not falling to. This issue that you're not tempted or you have, it seems it doesn't even come to your mind much again. Or you don't even think of it. You've even forgotten such a, a weakness. Were you faking it? How do you fake something like that? How can you fake it for weeks or months? You can't fake it. You actually had no walls. Those walls, that person, you were freed from it. But what is happening? The enemy comes to you as far as you had wandered and tells you, listen, you're still in that box. He struggles to pull you back, okay? And he succeeded and you stumbled again. You carried out some acts of disobedience or rebellion or negligence or mission. Something. You didn't used to lag into church, so you stayed away from church one day, and then you enjoyed it, you stayed away two days, stayed away three days, stayed away for two, uh, one week, two. You used to be like that before, that had stopped. You stayed, and then you say, you see, I hadn't really changed. Do you know the difference now? 
The difference now is that the walls that existed before and kept in that constrained space do not exist anymore. And the moment you make a choice, you can step out and go as far as you want again. But the first time it was there, and Jesus came, shattered those walls. When you called on the name of the Lord, you were saved. This second time, the walls are in your mind. And the memory is so strong about how it works that you actually don't step beyond that. Like the story I told you of an acquaintance that they tied a little puppy on a rope around a pillar for a long time. And he says he saw when they removed the rope from the puppy's neck, it never went beyond that place. He kept walking around in a circle. He kept hanging around the pillar. The rope had been removed, but the rope had been there for so long, it thought that it was still there and wouldn't go beyond that. That's exactly how we behave. I am not saying this for someone who has never tasted or heard the sound of freedom. I'm saying this to those who know there's freedom. You know how it feels. You walked in it. I'm not saying you should sit down wherever you are, bound by sin and say, ah, it's not real. No, it's real. But if you have walked out, who re-erected those walls? Who re-erected the walls that limit you completely from going beyond anything? Haven't you noticed, some of you already have, that if you stray and you come back, the father's arms seem wide open. It seems you can walk. It's usually when you make up your mind, kind of, that's all. Because those walls don't exist anymore. They did exist. You are being kept by a lie. The devil tells you, don't bother. Don't waste your time. You know how it is now. This is you. You're not like the others. This is your, this is your prison. Just accept it. It's your weakness. Have you heard of pastors preaching, saying your weakness? Say your own besetting sin. Say this is his own weakness. Like with Fisher. That thing does not exist. If that person got saved in truth, and if, I repeat, if you ever tasted freedom, if you ever walked three meters, then you can't tell me your prisons are two meters wide. Because you walked three meters. Did you walk through a wall? You didn't walk through a wall. That wall was removed. It does not exist. It is you that from habits are taking one, two steps. One, two steps. One, two steps. And never going beyond that. All you have to do is keep going forward. After you take one, two, take another one, two. You discover there's nothing there. As long as the devil can tell you it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. And you agree with him and say it's true. Nothing changed. It's the old me. I haven't changed. You see now two of you are in agreement. And if two of you agree as touching anything on earth to be done in heaven. So you are in bondage. But remember this time you are your own prison guard. So tell yourself that you will not do this to yourself. The only person I may say well you need more than what I'm just saying is someone that has never, who has, whose life has been the same. He has never experienced a difference in life. That's the only person. Even the human will can seem to push you out of these prison walls. Even the human will, they won't last. It doesn't last. Because it's spiritual, it's stronger than you. But with the Lord Jesus, it's total. And if you now believe, when he says, him whom the son sets free, is free indeed. And you say, yes, it's true. I am free indeed. Sin, what are you talking about? Get out. You are my former master. I don't serve you anymore. I serve the law of righteousness with my body parts. I serve Jesus. 
and you ask like what the Lord has said. It's called walking by faith and not by sight. But but yesterday, but today, but I I I I, I did this again. I acted this way. I omitted this again. So you also decided to do that. I was really tempted. Yes, demons pushed you and yielded. So what must I do? Stop limiting yourself in that constrained space. Keep walking like someone who is free. That you came back and fell into the same hole you used to fall into every day. Does that mean you must sleep and build a camp around the hole? You don't understand. This is that same hole. So leave this region. Travel to another state. Go away from that place. Even marriages have been broken. Are you telling me you're married to that thing? Where's the certificate? Who joined you? The joining is a lie. The devil was the officiating minister. And he began to deceive you before you were aware of yourself. You were that small. Before you were even born, the process had begun. Was I betrothal without your permission? You don't want it. So act like it's not. So Jesus comes and says, I'll marry you. Your maker will be your husband. You don't keep agreeing with the former guy. When he calls you, you tell him, hey, you know I'm engaged to be married. I have no interest in you. Every time. He don't say, okay, oh, he kept begging me. I, I, he kept begging me. So that's why now, I now agree. What, what does that mean? Why would you agree? You don't agree because you have a new beloved. Amen? You are free. Tell your neighbor you are free. Tell the other neighbor you are free. Believe it. Act it. And you will see it. It's more blessed. He that believes without seeing is more blessed. You don't wait till you see. You act based on what has been said. He has told you you are free. Stop seeing whatever you're seeing. Act on his words. Amen. Book of Jude. Let's continue. Verse 11. Woe to them for they have traveled down Cain's path and because of greed have abandoned themselves to Balaam's error. Hence, they will certainly perish in Korah's rebellion. So we go straight to the book of Numbers, start from chapter 14, and see, but our emphasis will be on chapter 16. I'll read portions of 14 and 15, and we'll continue at 16. Verse 1. Then all the people, all the community raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had perished in this wilderness. What's the backstory in chapter 13? What happened is that the spies came back from searching out the land of Canaan and reported that there were giants in the land and that they were unable to take the land. The spies told them, 10 of them out of 12, the vast majority, one of us six, two-thirds, told them, that's not two-thirds, that's what one-sixth. Five-sixth, yes. Five over six. 
0.5, the vast majority, that will be 100 out of 120 people, told them that we can't take the land. We saw it with our own eyes. The Nephilim are there. Nephilim from the fallen ones or the fallen or fellas. Considered either the fell men, gigantic beings, they considered, referred to in Genesis chapter 6, as the offspring arising from union between the daughters of men and the sons of God. And they are said to have brought forth Nephilim, that Nephilim were in the earth in those days. Men of renown, they did mighty things, they were known. It is believed that it's very likely they invented and carried out many amazing things and inventions. It's possible some of the gigantic structures, pyramids and the like around the world were structures and things they set up. Things that we are not too clear about, which in due season will be made clearer. But for now, we know that they are amazing, ancient structures and devices all over the earth, Africa, Asia, the Americas, everywhere, in Antarctica. It seems they had networks of, people have considered them to be communication devices, like many of those pyramids, they are not just found in Egypt, different kinds are found all over South America, everywhere. And it is believed that they communicated with these things through these things, worldwide, probably like a worldwide web. Those pyramids have been fingered strongly as power generators because they found in Egypt and all that, they found quartz material, you know, right there embedded all over in the walls. In the, they found copper wire, copper all over. They've seen so many things that just seem to point that this was an electricity generating device and many many amazing discoveries as time is going on more is being understood many of the old ways of thinking are changing aircraft designs diagrams have been found all over devices that even seem to fly without wings technologies that we don't know procedures of smelting and um, managing of metals that were unknown or that are known. What I mean is, you know how you have alloys from different metals. You can bring different metals and get uh, bronze. You know, these are, these are alloys. An alloy is when you take one kind of metal and melt and mix with another kind. It creates all sorts of, of either stronger metals or more malleable types. You know, easier to work with. Now, there are alloys in the earth that till today we don't know how to create them. It's unknown how you can create them. But they exist. They were used to make things. So all of these things obviously are from civilizations past. And um, it is of no great consideration that lots of them arose from this Nephilim, or were linked to these sons of God coming in union. These giants, in those days, there were giants upon the earth. The Bible says footprints have been found that are just massive, like your height. 
a single footprint found in rock, things that are like rock, things that have solidified over time. Body parts have been found, mummified. That's, um, what's the word? Petrified, fossilized. Okay, it's fossilized, a fossil. Shaped body parts, hearts, and different organs. And it's, it's like some sudden cataclysm occurred, which is what typically leads to things undergoing that process. Sudden instance bearing of something with no space room for rotting and all that. Things have been found, you know, um, what's his name? Telling found stuff all over. And he, he said, what kind of stones are these? Why are they shipped so perfectly? Why are they so with time, you know? And he's holding it and, and the doctor passes. He says, ah, where'd you get that heart? Yeah. And it was a heart. But it's petrified like that. It's a fossil. Frozen standing. Perfectly preserved things. Scattered around the earth. Seems something happened instantly. The Lord knocked them out. Of course, you know that's a major reason why the flood of Noah occurred. Oh, to get rid of the Nephilim. Major reason. The only challenge is that the Bible says even after Noah's time, the time of Moses, that they said the Nephilim are there. They're still gigantic beings. And it's also considered that I'm just throwing this out there because you come across it again. I don't want you to. I'm not saying you shouldn't share things with me, but I don't want you calling me and discovering too many things. You understand? I'm protecting myself. Call me and give me revelation. Then don't call me and say, um, 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 do you know that they left him after the flood? Yes. You just read it. It's in chapter 13 of Numbers. And even the refrain, when they mention the cities of Canaan, they mentioned cities and they added, and the refrain, the refrain is not a city, it's a kind of people, gigantic people. It wasn't a place. They were, the Bible tells you, do you remember King Og of Bashan? They had a bed, stead, and he describes it how big it was. I can't remember if it's 13 cubits, really big. And he says he was the last of the giants, that place. Yes. When they knocked out Og and Sihon, the Bible tells you about him, that he was a giant. He was a king, obviously. And um, he, what do you think will happen with giants? They'll tend to want to rule because they have power. They are strong. Deuteronomy 3 verse 11 says, Only King Og of Bashan was left of the remaining Rephites. It is noteworthy, in my translation, this I says it, that his sarcophagus, describing your, your Bible says bedstead, was made of iron. Does it not indeed still remain in Rabat of the Ammonites? It is thirteen and a half feet long and six feet wide, according to standard measure. That's what it says there. Okay? King Og of Bashan, Deuteronomy 3, just mentions it to you and tells you that they went to fight against him. Moses was still alive and he handed them over. You know, he was a giant. Okay? It's called the kingdom of Og. You read this phenomenon. Let me read it for you in the King James Version. It says, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnants of giants. 
Okay, the word there is Raphaites. Rapha, Rapha, an old tribe of giants. Okay, you are calling the Bible one or two places. And it says, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabat of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. Okay, his couch, bed, divan, you know, like what he would sleep on, what he would lie down on, an arch, you know. He, he was, uh, was an interesting guy. And, um, he was slept. So, the question I guess you'll be asking is, why were there any giants after God had destroyed? But, but let me just give you a little more. That's in Deuteronomy 3.13. It tells you that the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to half the tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Agob, that is all Bashan, is called the land of refine. The land of refine. Land of giants. Okay, it tells you the, the Bible tells you later about the refine. Doesn't say too much, but it refers to it as a place, and you know the people that were taken and come to there. Okay, there, there, there were people who descended from the giants, and like I said earlier, how is it after they ought to have been destroyed? Why were they still available? Why were they still alive? They shouldn't have been. I'll just give you a postulation and leave it there. But before that, I just want to show you what God told Abraham in the book of Genesis 15 from verse 18 to 21. This is when God promised it to Abraham long before Moses or Joshua showed up. He says, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Catmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims. You see, they say Rephaimites. Said the Rephaimites because they lived among the people. They were mixed in. Do you understand? Like, oh, was the king over them. Biggest, strongest. By the time he comes in front of a battle like Goliath, everybody runs. And the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gigashites and the Jebusites. I wanted you to see that. That he was thrown in there. Said, I'm giving you this land from here. Listed all these tribes, ites, ites, ites. They didn't say Rephaimites. Just call them the refined. The refined. You know, the refined were what they were. And the Bible actually tells you, well, don't bother, let's not take any time on that anymore. Who were there likely? I told you that if you look at the ages of the sons of Noah, well, sorry, I don't know if I told everyone, maybe I was just talking with a few people, maybe the leaders. They were likely quite young when Noah jumped into the boat. He had lived to about 500 years. And then the flood came. And he had his first son when he was about. He was quite young. He was very young compared to the age of Noah. We look at Genesis chapter 6. 
The Bible tells you in verse 10, well, 9 and 10, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a godly man, who was blameless among his contemporaries. He walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So you hear that. It says Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These three sons Noah had. Okay? Um, that's clear. No confusion about that. And the Bible tells you that at the age of 600, Noah was 600 years, verse 6 of chapter 7. Noah was 600 years when the flood, oh, when the flood waters engulfed the earth. And he entered with his sons, his wife, and his son's wives because of the flood waters. Okay? So he tells you that the age of Noah at the time of the flood commencing was 500. Now I want to show you this. Verse 28 of chapter 9. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. The entire lifetime of Noah was 950 years, and then he died. 950. Noah, Adam was 930. Uh, Methuselah was 969. Noah was 950. He ranks right there at the top of the longest living. He lived really long. But he had children... And um, this is what I believe, that his sons got married just before the flood came. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got wives when God said in seven days. I wouldn't be too surprised. I wouldn't be surprised they went into town and, and picked wives. Why? Uh, this is part of my reason. Genesis chapter 11, verse 11, or what, 10, verse 10, sorry. 10 and 11. This is the account of Shem. Shem was 100 years old. Listen. When he became the father of Afakzad, two years after the flood. When did Shem have his first son? Two years after the flood. So how old was he by now? No, 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 sorry. How old was he when he went into the ark? 98 years, because he was a hundred two years later. Do you understand? He didn't spend up to a year in the ark. Okay, we have 150 days or so. I, I hope you're with me. If the oldest was 98, how old were the other ones? And do you notice they had their first child after the flood? So the other ones, don't go. So they were lesser than him in age. Maybe in their 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And, you know, they, they, they were young. And Noah was about 500 when he had him. So I think they went into town, got wives, and that the wives had the genes of the Nephilim in them. Do you understand? Do you understand? That's what I believe. You can believe differently. It's not it's of no matter. It's not of great matter. But if, if you don't have anything to hold on, someone is going to tell you, no, but the Bible said everyone died. How come they're still giants? And you start asking like, where did Cain get his wife from? All those ridiculous questions. The other day, I think someone posted it, but I don't know if that person has not heard us talk about it um, over and over again. Not many times, but we've answered all these things many years ago. It's not that complicated. Cain married his sister. Don't, there was no law against marrying your sister. And do you know how many children Adam had? You have no clue. He may have had 
if he had 50 children, would you sue him? What are people alive now in this hardship, having 100 children? 90 something. You haven't watched any of those videos before? One was in Africa, one was in Asia. You haven't seen it before? One man, he had a school just for his children, a school. I'm not joking, it's... Uh, uh, who has watched that thing before? How many wives do you have again? Uh, I think he had about uh, 20 something or how many? 30 something. About 30 something wives. Good, but he had about 90 something children or more, 100 plus. But again, I've seen two. One is an African. I can't remember which country. Kenya or somewhere. And then the other one is, um, is in, uh, I don't think it's China. Some Asian country. And they have a lot of children. And they're still alive, quite old, but, you know, going strong. Producing children. They have a village. They are a village. One father. So who are you? If people are doing that in a space of 70 something years, these guys live for nine, nine, hundred years. Abba. If not picking, you won't go. Ah. Even if you do one every two years. And remember, the picking will go and do the own. And what was his calling? Adam's calling. Multiply and fill the earth. Don't tamper with someone's calling. Don't presume that Adam did not have many, many children. A lot. The Bible tells you he had many other sons and daughters. The Bible tells you that he only gives you three names. So when you read your Bible, don't be thinking that the name called. They usually tell you the first son. That's all. When you're counting genealogy. Don't read it and say these are the only people that were there. No. Okay. So they married women. And I'm suspecting, as I said, that these women had ge genetic. You remember the giants had married the sons of, of man, of daughters of, of, of man. And you know what res recessive genes are and all that, right? Just there. So there's nothing for someone to put to bed and bring forth a child with. Next thing, the child keeps growing. Because of their forefather now, that's almost certainly what happened. Because the Bible tells you that Noah was perfect in his generations. Part of the belief is that he was not tainted. That Noah was clean. His genetic line, he hadn't mixed with the giants at any point. Do you understand? When they say Noah was perfect, the normal understanding is that he was a righteous man. I agree. But it's also, there's a way King James says it in his generations so it, it almost sounds it's been strongly posited that he had a clean bloodline that the blood of the nephilim had not mixed up into okay yeah and if this is true that would be responsible for the existence of refine or nephilim after the flood is, is this okay okay good i just wanted you to see that Again, uh, I would like to reduce the amount of surprises you come across in your future. And um, so you don't get all torn up. You know, because we, we like mysteries, we like secret things, we like to know what happened, how did this happen and that. So you find someone that has not overcome lying, looking for the interpretation of the sixth horn on the head, on the seventh head of the beast, ridden by a woman with a cup full of blood. In the book of Revelation. Someone that does not know where to find the story of Jacob and his marriage ceremony. 
is seeking understanding about what the cup in the hand of the woman, Mystery Babylon, represents. Someone that does not know anything about Jesus properly, only the name, wants to know what was it that they told John, Silop or Daniel. Really, hold yourself. When, when anyone brings this kind of gist that I just gisted you, and start asking, uh-huh, if you say you know something, just unashamedly say, I don't know. And ask them next, of what consequence is that to do with your repentance from sin now? And you Christians, you say, you say, yes, we say, I don't know everything. I want to intimidate you with the ridiculous questions. It's not important. Ask them more important is that, do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you received power? For when the Holy Ghost comes, you receive power to be his witness. Have you received power? Do you know how to receive power? Only talk about, the, and then if you are with your brethren, uh-huh, like me, then we can just, it's just, Nabi, once in a while, but that's like point zero 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 one of our time. We are too focused on producing fruit, Abi. The Lord does not come to your tree and say, this tree produced the fruit of knowledge that tells me what was the name of Ham's wife. What was the name of Moses' mother? You see? You see? No answer now. Don't spoil it. Even if you know the answer. Pain ignorance. What happened to Joseph, the wife of Mary, the husband of Mary? What happened? So I don't know. What are you asking? You want to know if they left him behind in Egypt? What's my business? Okay. That's how people can read the fifth, the sixth and seventh book of Moses. Ask them if they read the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. No. They somehow ended reading university level books without doing primary school. Ask them what are the elementary doctrines of Christ. The moment someone opens his mouth and starts saying, um, um, do you know what was in Moses' rod? Do you know when Moses learned to use a rod? Ask him, do you know what the blood of Jesus does in a sinner's life? Like you. Do you know that the signs in the heaven, the stars, that if this star sits on this star, that this other star will shift? Where is it in the Bible? <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> you guys are just, just there. <laughs> oh God, do you know the ABC of Christianity, the teachings of Christ? I've told you that that word elementary is the word ABC. Have you checked it out for yourself? It's ABC's foundation. Do you know the ABC of the teachings of Christ? Mm-mm-mm. Don't dodge. Answer my question. How did the Magi follow? You know Magi is where they got the word magicians. <laughs> so, do you know that there are people that have plotted the graph? Oga, do you know what repentance from dead works means? What about faith towards God? Explain. No, 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 no. Leave that one. Anyone can answer that one. Sorry, don't be angry. Just you answer it. What, why does the Bible say laying on of hands? These are the elementary doctrines of Christ. He will open it and read and say, you see, and this we will do. Let us go on to perfection. Okay? We go on to, from somewhere. Show me where you are, so we can know where we are going. You are nowhere. You haven't done primary school. You want to be discussing masters and PhD. Don't let anyone bamboozle you, ever. 
Tell them I'm getting there. There are things I know. There are things I could know more about. I simply haven't had the time to study them. They haven't given the Bible. I haven't gotten around to studying them yet. I don't have the time yet. I haven't made out the time to do that yet. I'm focused on what's important. I have my life, not just now, the ages to come, to keep learning. Did I tell you about that? That second guy that, uh, it was Hanson, Jeff Hanson. Hanson, talking about the, I mentioned it the other day. Remember when, uh, that story about Bob Jones in 2.14, he was about to die. The day he died. You know, he told a more detailed story. Did I tell you? I told you something, right? Did I tell you that what the guy wrote? Yeah. That they discovered that it's ancient Aramaic. Not modern, not, when you say modern, modern means like 2000 years ago, okay? 2000 years ago is modern, the modern form. There's the ancient one, Aramaic. And they said some of the things he wrote that he dictated to him that it's about this generation. The stuff in the book of Daniel that Daniel was told to seal up was talking about this last day church, sons of God, was telling them. That's what he, he came to the guy's office and was jumping up and down and shouting. He said a bit more. That guy is younger than Regina. You know when these old people, Regina was sitting down to tell that story. When I heard it years ago, this one told it, he put onions, pepper, that he was, you understand, you know the difference? This one was 12 minutes, Rick Joyner's one was like one minute, two minutes. This guy took time to tell the story. <laughs> the younger you are, the more, the more generous you are with knowledge. So enjoy me now, when I'm old, I'll be talking to you. Okay, God help me not talk to you. This sister says, this sister says be like a child. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wiser, so I'll pack it fewer. There's a story. I'll just tell you. One minute. I'll pull out the salient points. Not with all the orishis. You know what he said? He said, he said, Bob Jones was jumping around at the time. As he told him, write. No, I was writing. And the man saw blood on Bob Jones' arm. I wanted to come and clean it. He said, don't touch me. Don't touch me. If you touch me, you'll die. Don't touch me. I haven't, I can't remember I said, but I said, I haven't changed yet. He said something like that. He said, don't touch me. If you touch me, you will die. I want to wipe it with a, a paper napkin. So that's how the man sat down. Later on, when he came in the morning, the guy said he saw the document. I mean, he has seen it. He said at the top, it was written in English at the top. Even this thing, don't touch me or you die. Then the rest was like a machine print, printed out things. <laughs> like that. Pages and pages and pages in a language that they had to. You remember when Regina had told you long ago, he said they're looking for someone, language expert, to tell what language is this first. Because it's not a language, it's, it's drawings. It's, you know how those languages are like that. And they finally discovered. So it's in the language that Daniel used. You know, Aramaic was Hebrew, Chaldee. Come on, Chaldee, Aramaic is a mixture, is a language. Part of the language that came forth from the Jews that were in captivity. So that would be the language that Daniel, and it's the stuff from Daniel's time. So you can see the sign that the Lord gave. So you, so that man, the man woke up. He said Bob Jones was in his office till morning, and then he dozed off. They woke him up by seven, Papa, and they told him Bob Jones is dead. He said, No, no, I just, I was just with Bob Jones. He was in my office. I mean, he was talking. 
he went and showed him the body. See that? Said how? This man was in my office all night, dictating stuff for me. So the guy was saying that while Bob Jones was in his last hour, every fifteen he fade out, then he called his wife Bonnie, and he fade out. And when he sees you, he's like, hey, tell was prophesying. I was lying down there. Was prophesying. Not the dead body, I mean before he died. Please, don't misunderstand. Hi. Yeah, God. All the preachers and setters, you see why you have to be listening to yourself while you're talking. Next thing someone will say, ah, they say the dead body was prophesying. It's a horrible thing. Ask questions, even if I'm preaching and you're not sure of what I'm saying. Are you saying? <laughs> no, before he died, he was prophesying. When someone will come in, you say, tell uh, so and so. Mm. Tell so and so. He was giving prophetic words and they tell him, rest. Your time is, has come. The rest. <laughs> you know, and he kept going on like that. Then when he came into that office, to that doctor, remember that at hospital administrator was afraid of. Do you remember? He didn't want to meet him. He didn't want to. He didn't believe in the prophetic really. He didn't want anything to do with this. So he avoided the whole wing. Where Bob Jones was, he heard he was in a wing there. He didn't even go to that side. Till he heard the door opening in the middle of the night. Ping, ping, pong, pong, pong. The door opened and Bob Jones walked in. And among the first things he told me, he said, you have to forgive. He said, I'm not holding anything. He said, no, but you need to forgive. Bitterness is forming in your heart. You need to forgive that man. You need to forgive that person. You need to. You have to. Oh, you have to forgive him. The man was arguing with, he didn't know he was arguing with someone. I don't even know what he was arguing with. Because Bob Jones' leg was broken, there's no way he could have moved, he was in his room. So he had either translocated here, or his spirit had come out, and was doing this, but was like physical form, and then went back. He was busy arguing. You know all these people that know how to argue, and lie. They argue and lie. Argue with everything. With Jesus, he arguing. Argue. Like Sarah. I didn't laugh. Mm. You're coughing. I cough. I you cough. God say you laugh. You say you no laugh. Must be a serious kind of hyena cough. Sounds like laughter. <laughs> Humanity. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was very interesting. Anyways, I guess we get to, I can't, I can't wait to let them go and tell us. So as he was checking out of earth, he was dropping messages. Checking out of earth, God used him since he had lived to minister to the body of Christ. God gave him that honor and gave him more messages. See, it was for us the last day church. Those portions, some of I'm not saying it's everything, but stuff that they had said to Daniel, seal it up, seal it up until the time of the end. You know, we've talked about these things, so we have a right to know it too, have we? After all, we've been talking about it even before any of this happened. You know, so definitely we are going to be letting on. So I told you guys that the seals will be broken. I told that we too, as we lay down our lives, we will qualify to live. The last day church will be different from the early church in that. The early church was a manifestation of a dimension of the church. It suffered a lot. It worked hard. It went through a lot of things. But the last day church is, even though we die, because you have to die to live. That's a process. You must be buried with him in death, in baptism, to be raised up unto life with him. Yeah. So you must allow death to walk in your members that life may comfort. 
when you hear us saying we should lay down our lives, die, practice dying. We are not foolish. It's the law of leprosy. You know, back then I said, maybe someday we'll study. Maybe we'll just learn in other ways. Then. How that you... Remember when we talked about leprosy? And how after you're healed, you have to wait for seven days. On the eighth day, present yourself to priest. Remember? Some of you were around. Most of you were on holidays. But I expect you to have listened to the messages. We talked about Miriam leprosy and all that. And... Um, you know, and amongst the things that we needed for cleansing, the Bible talks about hyssop, cedar, leaf of hyssop, leaf of cedar, and uh, thread from the scarlet worm. Scarlet worm, there was a kind of worm, when you squeeze it, the caterpillar, it produces a red ink, scarlet color. That's how they got the color, scarlet. Okay, so a piece of wool. Dipped in that, of that color. You know, and these were just some things that were to be, you know how the Bible, I've told you the Bible talks about prophesying. It tells you also that they'll take a bird, a pigeon, or a dove, and kill it over living water or running water. They are pouring water, they'll kill it over one. And then they'll take another bird and release it into the desert. Crazy stuff like that. You know, you read this in, um, we, we studied it in Leviticus 13 and 14. Can you remember? And it's really crazy. I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? Those were the laws concerning leprosy. Do you remember when we saw that, you know, seven days must pass before mankind is actually completely cleansed of leprosy? In the eighth day? Some of you, of you are remembering better now. All these things. You've heard that the law is mainly prophecy. And I keep telling you, you will be convinced. There's so much prophecy in the law that you can't... Other than that, the rules God made didn't make any sense. But he was, he's such a storyteller. Now, do you know how that scarlet worm produced? The scarlet worm reproduces by growing the insect. It grows, attaches itself, lays eggs in the back of a tree, and attaches itself and covers the the eggs and dies there. Who is it that attached himself to a tree and died there? And produce what color? Now how will God come up with things like that? Can you come up with things like that? Only God can come up with things like that. Oh, you remember what leprosy represents? Sin, death, death, sin, mortality. The fact that you are dying. What the opposite of mortality is immortality, inability to die. Why we all die in Adam? That's what, that's what it produced. Jesus came that we might have life. So Jesus is like that creature that will lay those eggs and crucify and die willingly, willingly sacrifice his body for those things to grow in and survive and, and all that. And he up. You know, I was studying this. Hesop grows even, it's like a herb. It grows on walls. On It's a lowly plant. It's considered the lowliest of plants, the most humble of plants. They said that it's considered the greatest of plants, the highest of trees. Yes? So from the highest to the lowest, all have, all have, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everybody has been affected by leprosy. There's nobody. 
there's none there's none what not perfect there's none righteous no not one where romans was describing was quoting scriptures from the old testament they've all gone astray but jesus came to reverse that so when he says take this this plant take this one he's showing from the highest to the low they need the blood they need the scarlet work of god in their lives leprosy has come on all men through adam all you can say had leprosy through christ all will be made alive again healed of leprosy do you remember that they said one of the birds the doves should be killed near running water and he says you are buried through baptism into death remember jesus when he said let me fulfill that all righteousness might be he was carrying out the law he was doing do you remember when he hung on the cross and said i thirst even though when they brought it, he didn't drink it huh do you remember he was just he was carrying out scripture the bible says that scripture may be fulfilled did you read that matthew how many times he said that scripture may be fulfilled jesus was that's what it means when he says that he might fulfill all righteousness he was fulfilling the law so you could be free of it so he was the dove killed by water and he's also the one do you remember in the wilderness they said you had to take one and free all right so I'm, I'm just giving you a tiny thing there all these pictures talking about jesus talking about his work on the cross talking about what he wants has done for us it's very important that you know it was all planned it's no error in it there's no mistake it's not chance the lord ordained these things these are the things he said study the scriptures or you study the scripture in it you think you have like but it is it that testifies of me look for me in the pages you find me from moses to the psalms and to the prophets it's all jesus was all about him you should be sure of what you believe you shouldn't shake you shouldn't waver this is when someone starts saying how do you know there are other religions in the world this and that come on which of them even begins to fulfill anything jesus fulfilled all remember when the holy spirit came down on him like he do as he was being baptized Bible says like he do why running water picture one he died baptism death and then he died again but do you realize that so do you know the principle of the cleansing of the leper simply has to do with life death and life the the whole picture there is of dying and resurrecting of dying and resurrecting these were the things done when a leper was cleansed it's what happens there is a dying there's a resurrection so people don't ever feel bad about dying because if you don't die you won't live if you don't lay down your life as a living sacrifice you can't live it's the principle of the leper the leper must die it must be demonstrated in all these things that he might live remember Naaman how many times did he die seven times had to die that he might live you want to live you want to walk in resurrection power you want to rule and reign with Christ you want to partake in the first batch remember everyone will live again everyone will be raised again but some will be raised to glory honor and immortality and some will be raised to contempt and shame those who refuse to die now 
will be made to die in the second death, or which is also known as the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20. Please know these things. Know it and understand it. You need it. And they will be raised also. Says buried in baptism, you know, raised in newness of life. When you die, willingly laying down your life for the Lord, you qualify to be given life. You are acting like someone who has been healed of leprosy. Do you understand? But when you refuse to die, when you refuse to arise to newness of life, when you refuse to act in a way that shows that you are dead. Do you remember Colossians 3? says, mortify your members which are upon the earth. That's put to death. When he tells you die, he's trying to help you live. He's trying to free you from the curse of sin or leprosy and the death it brings. That's what he's striving to do for you. These are the pictures God has given us, speaking to us from Genesis all the way out. But when you refuse to die, then do you remember he, he, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you'll be humble. So when you refuse to go down, that he might exalt you in due season, he will put you down himself and exalt you later. He will handle it. It is only the valleys that will be exalted, that the mountains will be made low. So when you make yourself a valley, when you lay down your life for your friend, when you agree to be part of the bridegroom company that prepares the way for the coming of the Lord, you are laying down your friend. Because no greater love had a man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. When you agree to become the man, the friend of the bridegroom that announces the bridegroom is coming, the watchman that stands on the wall and announces it, Hey! The bridegroom is coming. When you are willing to die to your desires, you will be rewarded. When you refuse to, you will live. But remember what he promised. He that lays down his life, loses his life for my sake, will will find it. But he that preserves his life will lose it. It's unavoidable. It's it's non-optional. Alright? So don't ever tell anyone that they must die. Tell them they must die if they will live. But if they insist on living, let them know that they will die. And this is not the death of um, taking a bullet. It's not that kind of death. It is the death of your will, your way, your desires, your plans. The death of you. It's why you are asked to be a living sacrifice. You are free to die. You are free to lay down your life. And you are free to not lay down. You are free to preserve it. But the only thing he tells you is you are going to lose it. You see that life you are holding on to? You lose it. He doesn't hate you. It's just because you have leprosy. Since you choose not to be healed, the process, the procedure can be, can be carried out at this time. It will be. But if you remember that by his stripes you were healed and you believe it, you receive the work of the stripes, the marks of Christ in yourself and you step out, you will live. You will live. Amen. Let's see if we can do numbers. So, why were the children of Israel murmuring against Moses and Aaron 
in Numbers chapter 14 and saying, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or perished in the wilderness. They kept saying that till eventually God said, I agree. <laughs> you perish in the wilderness. For all those that speak carelessly, if only we had perished in the wilderness. <laughs> you know how people do grab, grab with God and one day God says, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, you know, you know God is not a man. It's not like you that you go back and forth changing your mind. When God finally agreed with them and said you would die in the wilderness, do you know they didn't want to die again? Mm. And he said you die. You die. Mm. You know how he said it? He said manion. You die. You, you think I'm joking? The Bible says when God wants to swear, he, there's no one greater than him, so he swears by himself. In my name, I, I, you, you die in the wilderness. The people said, no, we will enter. It's like, wait, wait, you want to enter where? The promised land? Mm-mm. According, he said, as you have spoken in my ears. They didn't say it once, so God was tired. God was tired. God was like, <laughs> you guys, you will perish in the wilderness. The ten spies came back and they brought a bad report. What was it? Why did I start telling you about the Nephilim? Giants, things that are stronger than God. You know all those things that are stronger than God. And no, now those reasons why we compromise. Uh, you don't understand what happened to me. It's because of this. That's why you know giants now. They, they, they are bigger. They are very big. Even if God said something, they can stop it. Even if God said, "I'm bringing you to a promised land, a land of victory and authority over all things," uh, well. Sorry, God, it's like you didn't consider how difficult this thing is. Did you see this thing in my life? This is really hard. You don't live with my body. It's my body. I know my body. Oh, manufacturer mighty. I know my body. I know how it does me. I couldn't help it. Mm. That's what those guys came back and reported. Remember, the promised land is you, your body, your life. When the church will enter a prom, it's promised that it will enter into the resurrection of the dead. Paul called it the resurrection of the dead. Hebrews, Paul calls it a better resurrection. A better resurrection. It's called the first resurrection by John, the revelator, in Revelation chapter 20. The first resurrection. Newness of life. It's salvation of the body. It's not salvation of your spirit or your soul anymore. It's when your body is transformed. It's First Corinthians 15. You become transformed in body. Now, anyone that tells you you can't achieve that, anyone that says that it is impossible to achieve this is one of the ten spies. He's about to cost you the promised land. If you sit with people that preach... If you sit with people that preach, in case you don't know how the ten spies work, in case you've never heard it, the ten spies show up while you're waiting to get reports. They are the ones that go before. Typically, they are preachers. They have gone before. God sent them out ahead, not because they are better than you, but they had the chance to experience certain things in the flesh that you have not experienced. So they were picked out. The Bible says they were leaders. So these are leaders, typically. 
leaders of the congregation of God's people, elders, Bible says they look out, 12 of them, and they send them. Typically, a very small fraction of them believe God's word, has faith, works by faith instead of by sight. Typically. Unfortunately, the crowd goes with majority. They do democracy. They think the majority carries the vote. Till today, the same holds. The church in Pentecost is the church in the wilderness. Pentecost is what happened at Sinai, the mountain of God. Another name for Sinai is Horeb. Horeb is Sinai. It is where the law of God was, it's where the law of God was given. When uh, Elijah was tired, God told him, come and meet. He took 40 days journey to the mountain of God. It's Horeb or Sinai, same mountain, which is, of course, what you should do. What was given there? What's the main purpose? God entered into a covenant with them there. It's a covenant of the word, the law of God. In this time and season, it's a covenant that comes through the Spirit. Who is given as a seal. God's greater promise. And when the Holy Spirit comes. According to John 14. He will teach you all things. That's what the law is. Law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit. The law of the spirit. Also the law of liberty. According to James. Second Corinthians clarifies that. By calling it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So where the law of the spirit is, there is liberty. That's why Elijah had to go there to get free from fear of the giant called Jezebel. Same story was repeating itself with the prophets. It had happened with the law. Now it was happening with the prophets, Elijah. They each had to encounter their giants. And you each have to determine whose report you will believe. And what he got, when they got back, they brought an evil report. Concerning who? Concerning the land, God had said. In that land, this thing you're pursuing, of victory over all sin, victory over all the works of the devil, it's not possible. Everybody must have a weakness. Everybody, you know, they, they say, no, see, you'll not be able, able to overcome this once. We've had some victories where you can overcome this. See, you're a human being. Don't worry. It's not easy. Are you the first? Are you the first? This is hard. Remember those giants we studied? Laziness. Greed. Lust. All of them. Seem impossible. Every time you sit down and say things like, I can't do it. You're one of the ten spies. You're that class. Or you've listened. You're one of the Israelites murmuring and complaining. You've refused to be like Moses, Aaron, Joshua, or Caleb. Therefore, you will not enter that land. You won't. People don't, listen, people don't fail to enter the land because they sin. They fail to enter the land because they do not believe they can stop sinning. It's a lack of belief. Once you settle into the mood that it's not, see, see, let's not deceive ourselves. We, we are, <laughs> We are still human. The moment you adopt that outlook to life, that perspective, you will not enter. You will die in the wilderness. Remember, I've told you many times, you will still experience manna and 
enter from the rock. But you will not enter into the first resurrection. You have, you have guaranteed it. You have chosen to believe your eyes, your experience. You don't understand, sir. I have struggled. It didn't work. It doesn't work. You have chosen to believe your report. Nobody told you they wouldn't be giants. He's saying the giants will be there, but I will help you take them down. Just believe. It's through God that you do valiantly. It's through God, not through you. Which is why you must very quickly come to the end of yourself and trusting in the arm of flesh. You were assured that it would fail you. But if you choose to keep your eyes on Jesus, the autumn finisher, and what's the main reason people overcome? Not because it's that hard, but because it requires death to overcome. Death is required. And the thing people fear the most, which Jesus came and overcame, was him who had the power of death and controlled men, according to Hebrews 2, by their fear of death. It's fear of death that the devil uses. So the moment you say, I embrace death, I will die and lay down my life, you overcome the devil. The greatest desire people have is to hold on to their plans, hold on to their desires, hold on to, usually called an idol in Old Testament parlance. New Testament is called covetousness, which is idolatry. Three times it tells you covetousness is idolatry. So even those that have never seen a wooden or stone or bronze object are worshipping idols constantly. And if you don't lay down those idols, if you hold on to it, you'll die with it, clinging to your idol and disqualify yourself from resurrection. I like to call it increasingly what is called by the typical Pentecostal rapture. Start calling it that. But always explain that the Bible calls it the first resurrection. It doesn't call it rapture. And it's very clear. Revelation 20. They'll miss it. For a thousand years, they'll miss it. And when they stand up, they'll stand up to shame. Instead of to life. Instead of arising to rejoicing. They will arise. All will arise. But it will be to shame and contempt. According to Daniel 12. If they want, they must choose whose report they believe. Do not follow the crowd. Till today, this is the problem. Following the crowd. Going with the easy. Not wanting to die. Wanting it easy. That's the disqualifier. That is, and it's not the one that died briefly. You died for two years. You died for 20 years. He that endures to the end. You keep dying. You die daily till the end. Till the end. Till the trumpet. The first trumpet of Numbers chapter 10 blows. Then the leaders arise. Do not listen to leaders that come back with a report that contradicts the words of God. How you know a leader is out of line is, are his words contradicting the words of God? It doesn't matter how religiously they keep their mouth when they are saying it. It doesn't matter how they say it. Now, I'm not talking about people who have their own choice, even in the midst of the kinds of things we are saying here. No, no, I can't give up. That's a different matter. I'm talking about listening because who you listen to is as important as what you become. It's the person to. If they listened to the voice of Joshua and Caleb, things would have turned out differently. They didn't listen. They picked up stones to stone them. Which is what you do when you don't like someone. You start throwing stones. You start saying things against the person. 
even if they've done you no wrong, even if what they are telling you is the truth, but because you want this thing this man is saying, is going to mess up with all my plans. Ah, as I'm here at plan, by 20 I'm marrying. What's all this? At most 21. I'm here this man. The way he's going to serve a person, maybe you know they even marry him. Ah, what kind of, God forbid, my God is not like that. Okay. You mean I can't plot a career path? Oh, plotter. <laughs> oh, plot a career path. Yes. How do you know it will come to pass? Oh, thou that plotters paths. How do you know? Did that person really die? That your lost schoolmate? So likely someone that's in law school with them has gone home. How did I do? So maybe he was running from car, uh, VIO, vehicle inspection people or something. But he's dead. So if his family was saying, lawyer, lawyer, you don't come back, yeah, see our lawyer, come see our barrister. They don't have the barrister again. How long have they been around? Two, three weeks. That one is gone. At least that law won't be on this earth. The futility of life. I don't know why it's difficult for people to see how futile life is. For me, you know, the more you obey God, you just, the thing is so clear. People are so futile. You just see an ant carrying one big load, planning to walk from here into that grass. One of you will come by. My, a, a small child like this will come. The story of that ant is over. What about the thing he carried? That's what human beings remind me of. Always striving. Striving. Stri- I don't mind your striving act to do the will of God. The Bible says you should labor to enter into this rest. My problem is striving with something God that has not given you approval. Or maybe God is opposing you. Why are you doing it? Something that will get you a beating. Something that will cost you. Why are you crazy about it? Isn't it so much better? To visit God and get to hear, what are you saying? What would you have me do? Not my will, but thine. And then you step out. Act in faith. The will of God. Hey, no, no, it's too hard. That thing you're saying is too hard. You know one reason why people come here and stop coming? And stay away. It's easy. You don't want to hear this thing about dying, dying, dying. What kind of dying is this? God forbid my plans. It's why people stay away from any place that emphasizes disciples should lay down your life. A crucified life. No, no, no. It's a horror. It creates fear. I understand it. I fully understand. Actually, I don't, I don't have a problem with people running. The only thing, one, the only thing that may be a problem is when they try to lie and say things like, Oh, I left because uh, they used to stay long. Foolish things like that. That's just a lie. You are supposed to die. Die to everything. It's not because of anything. It's because you know that you have your idols. You don't want to die. So you're staying away. You know. Don't lie to yourself. Me, I won't lie to you either. Maybe your brethren here that don't understand may say, well, okay. I think I understand. Don't you always say eventually. Do you know how many times I ask people after? People that are part of, were part of this house. Where are they? And they say they da 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 da. I said you don't tell them to come. They say and they said. But eventually, if any of such people ever tell their testimony for those that come back or anything, it is always what I need. Always. 
you always hear the correct story when they really repent. It's always them. It's always something they want. And what is being said here might tamper with it. Because you know, it's not everything that you desire that is bad. Some of it, God is the one putting it in your heart. But the fact that you are afraid that God may take it from you, you typically will want to run away. You don't want to be around the possibility that God may take it away from you. Some people, eventually, God won't take it. Some, as we've often showed, he will take it, kill it, and give it back to you. Some will take it away for a long time. Then he gives it back to you. Some he takes it away permanently. Many people, he takes it away and you are like, thank you, Lord, I love you like that. I don't mind. And he now says, all right, it's dead now. Now it's a tool for my glory. Then he gives it back to you. Throw that rod that you used to have power with your ship on the ground. Say, snake, ah, I don't like it. He ran. Says, good, it's okay, don't run. Now, go back. Take it by the tail. Hold it properly. Stop holding it by the head. Consider it a light thing. Hold it by the, you know, the tail. Consider it. When Paul said, I count all things rubbish because of Jesus. And he took it by the tail. And it became a rod again. And thereafter, the Bible called it the rod of God. The same thing that God had told him to throw to the ground. Showed him how this thing really is. A dangerous thing if you put your trust in it. But if you give it to me, I'll use it for my glory. Do you understand this? Same thing with Isaac, Abraham. Take him, put him on the altar. Alright, now receive him back. Now, he was dead to him. Bible calls God the fear of Isaac. That's what Jacob said. Call God the fear of Isaac. The one Jacob, Isaac was afraid of. Dying. Dying is the key to fulfilling destiny. Don't think dying doesn't carry some fear. It does. But you have to choose to embrace it. Let what will be be. Life will come. God promises you life. Oh dear, what did the sons of Korah do? What did Korah do? Korah, Korah, Korah. You have all read what Korah did now. Look at what they said in verse 4 of chapter 14. So they said to one another, Let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Hi. Then Moses and Aaron fell down with their faces to the ground before the whole assembled community of the Israelites. And Joshua, son of Nun and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, Two of those who had investigated the land tore their garments, lost their identity completely in their effort to convince these people otherwise, trying to grab their attention, removed all their covering, their dignity, their opulence. Oh, ah, they made themselves a fool for the sake of these rebellious people. They said to the whole community of the Israelites, the land we passed through to investigate is an exceedingly good land. They spoke about the advantages, the beauty. Of the resurrected life. Yes. They spoke about the wonders to come. They say it's a good land. They didn't say there are no giants. They didn't lie. They said don't mind. It's a lie. God can make you rich to pieces right now. God wants to give you everything now. You don't need to give up anything now. You can enjoy the best. Because your God is rich. So you are rich. And they didn't say. They didn't lie. They didn't lie. When you want to hear. Those that are trying to have the best of two worlds. Why do you think the average prosperity preacher never talks about the age to come? Have you heard them talk about the age to come? Who, how many of you have heard messages, steady, clear, repeated on the age to come? 
the most they talk about is heaven and they talk about it like a neutral place where all are equal they never can have a revelation on the other if they do they don't talk about it why because it's, it is very hard to tell people about the glories of the land you're going when you say you say it very briefly did you hear how the 10 spies gave the report do you hear how they talked about the, the land ah yeah yeah listen to what they said in chapter 13 very brief verse 27 they told moses we went to the land where you sent us do you hear do you hear the land where you sent us <laughs> not the land that god has appointed for us not the future not the oh dear god not the time of the restoration of all things or the regeneration not the resurrection like jesus kept calling it the resurrection or the regeneration they don't call it that like you and i can go in like i had gone in years ago to the land to search it out you're going through the words of god you find out what god says you go and search it out you look at it ah he this guy said we went to the land where you sent us listen it is indeed flowing with milk and honey and this is its fruit but that was the end that was the only good thing they ever said the inhabitants are strong and the cities are fortified and very large moreover we saw the descendants of Anak there the amalekites live in the land of the negev the hittites jebusites and amorites live in the hill country and the canaanites live by the sea and along the banks of the jordan then caleb silenced the people before moses because they started shouting that's what a bad report does when you tell people how hard things are to achieve that god has said you should achieve caleb silenced them before moses saying let us go up and occupy it for we are well able to conquer it that's all i've been telling you since you knew me you are able to conquer it we are able to conquer this land this this you see this thing see his property we can conquer it really believe every time i ask you some of you don't believe you, you don't believe that you can overcome sin that we can live holy as he is holy we don't believe people do not believe they say they do but they don't by their words and actions it shows they don't believe that you can overcome the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life we keep doing things that show ah who can survive without this we all must have this we all must do this we all must pursue this you don't believe it is possible to live over it god's people everywhere this is the lie that they've been told by those who should know better that have tasted and seen the fruit of the land they came back and they chose to believe themselves and their eyes more than the most high god who brought them with all those signs and wonders out of egypt and through that wilderness for one and a half years they had seen all those things and they still did not believe actually i'm not impressed by seeing there are people that like seeing you want to see when the power hits you want to see it. some of you that have come now when power flows flows i wish you came when you were just sitting down but i know why god is giving you wine to drink enjoy it drink hard don't drink responsibly drink as irresponsibly as possible don't drink holy ghost every time we are in the spirit just <laughs> you need it to you need it that's why he's giving me wine. If it's me, me. Bible only. Bible, 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 Bible. Did I pronounce it well? Bible. 
listen to Caleb. But the men who had gone up with him said, this is what the 10 spies says. Ah, we are not able to go up against these people because they are stronger than we are till today. People are saying your weakness. Are you saying you're going to have some things? It's not everything. Let's not pretend we are human. You hear people talk like that. God did not say. Those are the enemies of your soul. I warn you. Don't listen to those people. They will deprive you of an eternity of glory. Let me not say eternity. But they will deprive you super significantly. Your regrets will run deep and run wide. For a very long time. Some people say, let me listen to them. I can overcome them. The more you listen to them, the more fear, the more you compare yourself, the more you look at your mates, the more, the more, the more. What, have you been, have you heard those things? Even after you've heard the things you've heard about the land, after you've heard a Caleb or a Joshua, have you heard, how many of you have been tempted? You've heard the 10 spies again since then. And your, your head started doing thing, thing, thing. Let, raise your hand. Put down your hand. Now, the next time I ask for hands to be raised, please, those that raise the first time, don't raise again. I want to go after the liars now. They always claim they are confused. Let me drink some liquid, then I'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, boo. Genji. Some of you. Now, I know they hear what. Understanding is absent. And plus, you're hungry. So, I'll say it slowly. First batch, don't raise your hand. How many of you, since you heard Caleb and Joshua, we can do it. We can overcome sin. Da, da, da. We can be victorious. You can become an overcomer. You can make the first resurrection. You can be a king with Jesus. You can sit on thrones. Have heard one or many of the ten spies as they preach, as they say the things they say, and within you, you started feeling, well, do I really have to, I just, do I have to give up? I don't think, I think it's possible to, no, it's not, see this thing, people can, even very great men of God have said that they have, you know, everyone has a besetting sin. And we can still pursue, we can still serve God and also, you know, and achieve, let me see your hand. Raise it properly, please. I'll make you raise it too, plus a leg. <laughs> now there's a third batch, but I don't have time for you. Put that in your hand. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew you didn't understand. I just wanted to give you the chance. So the angels will not be angry. Because, you know, we are trying to make it. Have I told you that the law, there's one law concerning that house of God in Ezekiel 44. It's a law of holiness. You must be separated from the world. It's a law of holiness. Read Ezekiel 43, you say, say there's one law for the area all around the temple. One law. A separated life. Why do you think holiness is so absent from the body of Christ? Why do you think the devil makes almost everyone to be sinning? Involved in one wrong thing or the other. If it's not open, it's secret. Why? It's unholiness. He knows he's doing. He's disqualifying nearly everyone. The only people that were allowed to approach the sanctuary, according to Ezekiel 44, were the sons of Zadok, who refused to join the children of Israel in their unholy acts. In When they went into idolatry, all the other priests 
the other 10 spies that said there's nothing you can do about it. All of them were disqualified from entering the holy place and the holy of holies. All. All. And the offer is, do you want to be a son of Zadok? You can be. And if you believe any other thing, you are following, you are a follower of one of the 10 spies. You have made a choice to not believe. You know when I talk and I say all of you that have been in this ministry, because you have heard. The majority out there have never heard. They don't even know this thing you're saying. They don't even understand it. They're like, what are you saying? Are you saying that the church I go to, <laughs> they don't know the joyful sound. If you look at Psalm 87, say it will be said of this one, this one and that one was born in her. It will be said of the dweller, these are the people that dwell in Zion. All of them will appear before God. Say this one was born in her. As opposed to all those born in Philistia, Babylon, or Rahab, Egypt is Rahab, and all of that. There are those that, you know, were not born in her. Then there are those. I hope all of you will be born in Zion. The Bible tells you about that. In it is the singing. He said, all my streams are in her. Rejoicing. The singing. The singers are found in her. That's what it tells you. I found. When you go back, you can look at Psalm 87. That's why. That's why it always comes with singing and rejoicing. The Zion dwellers. It's a choice. And you make it. You can choose to not dwell in it. You can stay in the other cities. It says that God loves Zion more than the, how do I say, courts of Jacob. Loves it more than all. The what? Dwellings. Think the King James. All the dwellings of Jacob. He loves the tents of Zion. Loves the dwelling places of Zion. God. Because it's a different place. The people in it are holy. Holiness is the name. The highways, everything. The bells of the horses, the sound making tickling, tickling. The movements there. The horses. All holiness, holiness. Holiness unto the Lord is what was written on the band of the priesthood. Holiness unto the Lord. Look at how unpopular holiness is. Even by the ministries that make preaching holiness their official mantra. Look how unpopular. Apart from the confusion, almost nobody seems to understand what holiness is. They think it means don't smile. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not some wonderful servant of God. You know, God can make do with anything. John Wesley. Sir Wesley. Of, from which the Methodists, I won't say the church, I don't know. What they are doing is not like that guy, but whatever. Say, nah, papa with that. I don't know. It's more of my papa than many methods. But, they, they believe laughing. They call them the holy club. In Oxford University, I believe. They didn't believe you should smile, should laugh. Of course, you couldn't tell a joke. For what? And they won so many souls to the Lord. They're greatly used of God. But they didn't believe you should laugh us. So I've been very sobering. But we have more lights than them. So we take and learn all we can from them and go further. Oh, you can laugh. You can rejoice exceedingly with great joy like the Lord Jesus. Your mouth can be filled with laughter. Like all over the scripture. You can rejoice always. How do you rejoice without laughing? Sorry, let's try it. I'm thinking about, let, let, let's try rejoicing without. 
Sorry, does anyone want to demonstrate rejoicing without laughing, please? I don't know. Is there a best one? Can you show me your face rejoicing, yes? <laughs> oh yeah, hold yourself, everybody. You're smiling, oh. I don't understand, you're smiling. Anyone, do you know how to rejoice? Who knows how it used to be done? I don't know. Has anyone been in a group where? I've never been. I'm just wondering. It is possible. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. How do you do it? Without laughing. We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice. 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 We rejoice in the Lord. Everybody. Hey, stop, stop. How does that work? How are you going to rejoice without laughing? And somehow these guys succeeded in not laughing. <laughs> and saving so many people. <laughs> God would just look down and say, Che, let's manage. But people, laughing and rejoicing. Holiness, <laughs> in fact, holiness will make you laugh a lot. People will think you're drunk. Have you noticed how drunk people are? They tend to be very happy. Unnecessarily happy. Yeah. Oh boy, how now? They can give you everything they have. Alright. This is the report these people gave, gave. They are stronger than we are. Listen to these people. That thing you are trying is stronger than you. You can't do it. Anybody that tells you you can't, you can't overcome the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, and the power of life is one of the ten spies. Anyone that sits you down to teach you to love the world. What is in the world? The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes and the proud. Like, it's telling you that you can, that I have seen it. I have tried. Look at me. I speak in tongues. I lay hands on the sick. I do miracles, but I haven't been able to overcome it. So look at outside. I have 17 cars. Look at my house. Look at my jets. Look at this, that, 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 that. Look at the opulence and the large life I live. I couldn't, whether they, op- they will not open their mouth directly and say, you can't have victory in Jesus. So they will show you by their actions. They will show you through what they say. Do you understand this? They will say it's not possible. They will tell you through their words and actions that it is not possible to overcome these giants. Here I am, a living example. I can't, I couldn't overcome it. Look at all the great things God has shown me and done to me and through me. But I can't overcome it. People, don't bother. You can't. You will always yield to your flesh in different ways. So don't struggle. Just let's let's manage it like that. In fact, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. Let's be like the world. Let's run for office and take people to the polls and do anything to enter government. Rig, lie, tell lies. Do anything to achieve your purpose. How do you think we go back to Egypt? That's exactly it. Let's go back to the world. Let's act like worldlings. In your office, cheat, lie, deceive. Have a girlfriend by the side. I hope it's not true, but I've heard stories of men of God going for conferences and they bring girls. Not the men of God, the hosts keep girls for them. They are supposed to be assistants and they over-assist. They assist in all things. In case, you know, you need to service a giant in your life. Something that you've allowed to corrupt your soul and you're unable to separate from it. All those things are a result of unbelieving leaders who have broken faith with God. You know, God killed all of them. And you don't know any of their names. But everyone knows Joshua and Caleb. 
Because in the long run, you only will remember the overcomers. A thousand years from now, too, nobody will be talking about many people that are talked about. They will talk about the overcomers. They will say, ah, that's, that's Caleb. That one is Caleb. Yeah, you know now, you've heard of him. Yeah, that's the one. Ah, have you heard, have you read this book? Wow. If you hear what she faced when she gave up everything to follow the Lord in the year 2018. Have you had 20? Wow, that's a long time ago. Yes, now. 2018? Are there records from that time? Yes, now you think it's only those of you in 30 something that have something. Eh? You think it's only the 30 hundreds that have records. They have records, so some were preserved. But even if they didn't preserve, you can get it from the supernatural archives. Have you heard the things? I, in fact, I watched their movie. You know, you can, get, of course, let's, let's go, let's travel back. Wow. Did you see her resist the stares of her classmates? She tried to, what kind of ugly clothes were they wearing? You see what they are wearing? Eee. Wait, 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 I don't understand. You mean these people are mocking that person? What's the difference between their clothes? The one is even more ugly, sir. But I understand, sir, why they are mocking. <laughs> what she's wearing is really, <laughs> well, in fact, how did anyone wear these things those days? That material looks rough. Must have been tearing their skin. Compared to what we wear now. Well, life used to be hard. That's what I heard. Yeah. It was really tough for them. They, so she endured. They used to laugh at her every day. She endured. Uh-huh. What else? Ah. Her parents threatened her. In fact, this, that, that, that story after. Hey, wow. And what are they now? That one, that one is the one in charge of the northern region of the area. They, in former times, they called it Nigeria land, but now they call it Maryland. Her name is Mary. They named that whole area. That was her inheritance. She rules over that. If you get to it, they say everybody there dresses like a king. That she made it one of her laws to remember and say, I have forgotten my shame. What's the other one's name? Ah, that one is there. Stories will be told. Nobody will remember many people. Nobody. I don't, I don't mean they will remember and talk about. They won't remember. You don't see any reason to talk about 10 spies. We call them 10 spies. What else do we call them? They had names though. The same list that called Joshua and Caleb is there. Nobody remembers. Evil reporting 10 spies. Nobody. Why should we remember you? You didn't believe in God. God will make sure nobody remembers you. You countered the truth. God said A, you said it's D. How dare you? That's contempt and shame. Can you understand people being raised to contempt and shame? Can you imagine those people walking around in that time? You, you, you think contempt and shame mean you have a broken leg like this? No. You know how you don't want to be seen? Say, we need bread in this house, sir. Who go and buy it now? You go and buy it. Say, no, you go every time. You know I can't go out now. Because as you go out. Is that not? Let me check for one of their names. Sorry. Shaphat, son of Hori. There was even Samoa, son of Zakor. There was Egal. Pauti, Gadiel. Gadi. Amiel, Seto, Nabi, Guel. I've read this thing. No matter how many times I've read it, I can't remember any of their names. After now, I'm sure I'll forget again. Let me hold on to Shaphat. Even it sounds like son of Elisha's father's name. Or Pauti. Sounds like Michael's first husband. 
Gadiel. Sounds like Gaddafi. I'll try to remember that. Gadiel. Gadiel. As he's passing. You say that's Gadiel. Hey, you. Are you Gadiel? You're one of those ten spies that said they couldn't enter in. Mommy, come and see, come and see what the ten spies. These, these are the ones that said God couldn't do it. This is them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Who wants to be that person? I said it's impossible. It's not possible. It's hard. It's too hard. You want to be that person? Talk about shame and contempt. You go, they dress like hoodie. Where you go, where, where? Even, oh, they know we see. You be very long hoodie like this. You be looking at from deep in under. Madam, give me bread there. I don't want anyone to see you. The shame is too much. I was like, God, kill me, God, kill me. Say, you're dying, you're dying. Okay. You didn't want to die the first time. You're dying now. That's death. There are things worse than death. So you're the one, you doubted God. Come explain to us. How? 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 How did you doubt God? Wait. So, but let me understand. Were you amongst those that came out of Egypt? Did you see what he did? So, I don't understand. Did the sea really open? Yes. And close again. Mm-hmm. Did manna for yes from the sky? Water from a rock. So what was it you said God couldn't do again? God um, speak up now. Say couldn't kill giants. How big were the giants? They're very big. How big? Oh, like one kilometer tall. Okay. So you said God couldn't kill them. Okay. I don't understand. Maybe you keep talking. You can sit there and think of this. My head is turning. And when someone's head is turning, the age to come is a problem. Folly. Don't be learning. The Bible says you should note these guys and learn from them. So something will not happen to you. Don't ever doubt God. It's ridiculous. Do you know in chapter 14, back there, they said, when they tore their garments, in verse 7, they said to the whole community of the Israelites, the land we pass through to investigate is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. Do you remember the other guy said, the land is indeed flowing with milk and honey, but... Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Do you know what these giants we face are? Strength providers. You see all those things you struggle with? Remember when I was teaching you about how every time you exert effort against something, you develop muscle? Every time you resist sin, every time you push against evil, every time you overcome, you get stronger. That's how we get strong. That's how we overcome. That's how, that's how you become survival. And you are saying, no, I don't want these temptations at all. I don't want these attacks. Child of God, without them, you will not have energy. They are bread for you. God allows them. You keep saying things like, why does God allow it? He allows it because that's where you get energy from. You feed on your giants. You feed on them. They provide strength to you. Like bread will give you strength. So opposition makes you strong. If the Lord is pleased with you, you strive to obey him and do his will. You will overcome these things. 
their protection has turned aside from them. And minus any other thing, every time you overcome them, bread is provided. Apart from the direct energy you get and the boldness. Do you know every time you win a battle, you get bolder for the next battle? Yes. But actually, they also stop you from accessing your bread. Example, laziness. When you overcome laziness and sit down and read your Bible, you have access to your bread. They are the ones blocking your bread. When you overcome fear and open your mouth and evangelize, did you notice every time you evangelize, you got bothered to do it more and more and it became very easy? Sometimes when you stop, it gets harder and harder again. Do you see? They block you. Do you notice when you overcame, even when you were overcoming coming here, when the challenge was coming here, that every time you overcame that reluctance and that temptation to stay back and all of that, you came and had access to bread. When you sat down, you were fed and you went like, wow, is this what I would have missed? But if you didn't overcome the fear that they will make me a member, that's how I do and I'll now have to leave my church or the opposition will come from home or this will happen or that will happen. Every time you faced the giant, you came away with bread. Everything. They are bread to you. They are either your strength or they are blocking the thing that will give you strength. You must face them. Why didn't God just wipe them out? No. You must learn war. He left them there that you might learn war. Even the generation after this. He left some, the Philistines behind, that they might learn war. And the Philistines had giants. David and his men killed five. One of them had six fingers. Six toes. Abnormal. Extra large. God keeps them. For every generation. Your own is here. It's called Facebook. Social media. The mad type. Porn. Seduction like never before. Lost. Covetousness and your own. Big ones. They are in church. It's in church. Church meeting. The one last safe place. They are in it. They've taken it over. You have to overcome it here too. They are the enemy and they broke into the glory of God. Like Psalms, somewhere in the 70s, it says. They've broken in. They've set God's house on fire. Strange fire. You have to overcome that too. You have to look at it and believe for a restoration of righteousness. If I didn't believe, you wouldn't be here. I believe that against all hope, against all the hopelessness, you know how many people are saying that where will they, do you know how many times I hear Christians say things like, all of all are like that, where will I go? They, have you come across people that believe that where they are is bad, but that there is no place better? Who has come across all these people? Everywhere. They don't believe that there can be better, cleaner doctrine, safer, clearer, more pure worship of God. They don't believe it. They beg them in verse 9 not to rebel against the Lord and not to fear the people. They repeat it at the end. Their protection has turned aside from them, but the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Remember, it is God with you that makes all the difference. It's not you. It's not you. It's not you that overcomes the enemy. It is God with you. Therefore, your greatest pursuit in this world must be having God with you. Which, I've said this so many times. God with you is the solution. Not you. 100% victorious. It is God with you. That will succeed in overcoming all your enemies. Therefore, your greatest pursuit in life must be to maintain God with you. Why do you think when you sin or stumble, the devil runs and tells you God is no more with you? 
That's the first thing he tries to tell you. Because the moment you doubt God is not with you, you will go back to Egypt and the world. And truly, after a while, maybe God will depart from you. Because he can't, he's too pure of eyes to do evil. But that usually takes quite a while. The devil gives you the impression that the moment you end, God stops being with you. And you throw up, throw in the tower. But if you know that God is still with you, he's still with you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Except, but you can leave him and you can forsake him. The devil tries to tell you God has done it already. So what are you still doing here? The devil tells you that, you see when you did that thing, God got up and left. So you sit after a while, you say, what am I sitting here and doing? Then you leave. But if you know that the Lord is right there, he didn't go anywhere. He hasn't flung you away. Why are you standing up? Stand up and fall at his feet and ask for forgiveness. Ask for help. Seek all the help you can. Turn to your brother and sister and left and right and ask for help. That's what you're meant to do. But know that God didn't leave you because of it. The devil will tell you he has left you. When God is with you, don't rebel against him. As long as you have God with you, you will make it. That's why the devil kept tempting them. He wanted the Lord to leave them. But why do you think Moses prayed that he should go with them? Do you remember? If your presence does not go with us, we will not leave this place. That's Moses understood the ways of God. So all Moses kept asking for was that God should be with them. That God does not go with them. He will not leave. That God must go up with them. Moses knew that the secret to victory in all battles and wars is the presence of God with you. People of God, do not ever cause God to leave you. In fact, don't, I apologize, don't ever leave God because he has not left you. He's exceedingly merciful. Don't leave God. The survivors are those that endure to the end. Endure what? Among the things you endure is yourself. Your stupidity levels. If you have not yet discovered that your stupidity level is very high, let me see your hand. No, no, it's not a bad thing. You haven't discovered, you haven't looked at yourself and said, I think you're the dumbest person alive. Like, you're one of a kind. I'm serious. I, I, don't worry. I just want to tell you something. I won't tell you personally. It's a general thing. Oh yeah. You have not sat down and thought of it and said, oh, that, that, there's something wrong. You really, I think you're the worst Christian. That, you haven't thought it yet. You haven't thought it. Okay, if you have a good. So, I'm praying for you. You will get there. I'm not praying you should get there, but till you have, who has met that thing? Who has sat and looked at himself and just gone like, I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how someone can be this daft. And you're not talking about anyone. It's you. That's usually when you're introduced with, to yourself fully. Usually when people have come to that place, they're about to have more hope. When you haven't gotten there yet, uh, you still trust yourself quite a bit. When you have gotten angry with yourself, like if I was permitted, I would kill me. But God wants you to look at all that nonsense and fall on your knees and say, God, help me. A sinner. You leave that place more justified. These things are written to you that you might not sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate. We don't tell lies to ourselves either. You don't lie to yourself. You don't say, I haven't done anything. You have. By word or speech, by commission or omission. You have done. You have done folly in this earth. You have despised the grace of God, especially men. We have often, so often, despised the grace of God. Sometimes maybe we don't see how much grace we have received. Or maybe you have learned 
so well and known that you're not the most stupid person, to be honest. Because you're not. I've told you that many times. That the devil tells everybody. How can everybody be the most stupid person? It has to be one. That position has to be won by one person. In the heavenly Guinness Book of Records. And only God knows the records. So maybe that's why you didn't tell yourself. So you're not wrong. You know, you're wiser than me. But I've looked at myself sometimes. My life and gone like, I don't understand. How do you even breathe? <laughs> I would think God would cut off the oxygen. And he doesn't. He's still breathing God's air. The next thing you pray and he answers. Yeah, those are the reasons you should repent. Fast. Can you picture someone looking? That look. Not disgust of absolute exasperation. And still enduring you. God is merciful. It's why you shouldn't despise this much. Because when you despise it, what do you want again? These people. These people we are reading about here. There are so many of them today. Look at verse 10. Then we'll jump. However, the whole community threatened to stone them. We will stone you. But the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of meeting. How many of you don't want to see this kind of glory of God? Because it didn't appear well. It didn't appear happy. It appeared and said things like, The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? Do you see? How could... Do you remember that they were murmuring against Moses and Aaron? When God appeared, did he say, how come would they not, how long would they not believe in you? Are you sure you're understanding me? He didn't appear and say, how long would they not believe in you? He said me. They were, it, do you know what they would say when they were talking? We are not talking about God. Oh God, God, I don't have any problem with God. Is this, we're attacking the people, this, the messengers. He said, in spite of the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and I will disinherit them. I will make you into a nation that is greater and mightier than they. Moses said to the Lord, when the Egyptians hear it, for you brought up these people by your power from among them, then they will tell it to inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are among the people, these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, that your cloud stands over them. And that you go before them by day in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. If you kill this entire people at once, then the nations that have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land that he swore to them, he killed them in the wilderness. Do you see what Moses is doing? He's discussing God's reputation. But he doesn't know that God has died to his reputation. Hi. Dealing with God is not easy, eh? He left the children, Shah. He still did something for Moses. So now, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have said. And he began to quote God to God. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in good love. Why do you sing we sing some of these songs? Why you have to be singing songs, saying what God has said? <laughs> eh, because when God looks down like this sometimes, just have to be reminding him, you said, oh, you said, <laughs> you said, oh, you said. <laughs> Better no correct songs, not just to be named songs of uh, useless songs. No proper songs, the ones that remind, you know. Your steadfast love extends. Sing it, oh, we may not understand why you're singing so deeply. Sing it. Not when they are singing, you're standing. You better sing that his steadfast love extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness 
reaches to the clouds. Ah, your righteousness is like majestic mountains, and your wisdom like the depths of the sea. And you come to me. Then you sing it. It's why worship is so powerful. Speak of his greatness. Say, let the power of our God be great. Not the power of my sin. Of your majesty. Say what he says. It's a very safe thing to say. Stop saying what you say or your friend says or people or the news says. Stop saying what people that don't fear God say. You want help for yourself or for others, say what God says. If you can get the people to shut up, it will really help. Because if what God is saying, they are saying their own. He usually shortens the time between sin and punishment. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in loyal love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children until the third and fourth generations. Did you hear that? He threw that in. He didn't remove it. He didn't quote half. He didn't quote parts. He said all. From Deuteronomy 20. He said all. Please forgive the iniquity of these people according to your great loyal love. Exodus 27. Just as you have forgiven the people from Egypt even until now. Are you hearing? According to your great loyal love. God, just depend on your own loyalty. Forget the own. They have none. Listen to verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have forgiven them as you asked. Remember, I want to wipe them out at once. Hear forgiveness at play. But truly, as I live, this is God swearing, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. For all the people have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness. And yet have tempted me now these ten times and have not obeyed me. They will by no means see the land that I swore to their fathers, nor will any of them who despised me see it. What did he forgive? What was it he stopped from doing when he forgave? He stopped from wiping them all out at once. But at the same time, he delivered a verdict. They will not see the land. Those that despised him, those ten spies. He said, they tempted him these ten times and have not obeyed him. Obedience was the problem. I told you it's obedience. That is the strategy. Not the sin, the disobedience. Even though all sin is disobedience, all lawlessness is sin. But when you clearly look, when you fall short, but when you actively, directly disobey God, willfully, purposely, and despise what he has said. He said, they won't see the land. Only my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he had gone and his descendants will possess it. He would come into the land. He had gone in already. God had given him glimpses. In all those visions we see and all those revelations, may you not be anything apart from Caleb and Joshua. May you enter into what you have seen. All the victories we have seen. All the wonders. And God is going to show us a lot more. He's going to give you visions of the age to come increasingly. We've seen some. We'll see more. But you dare not see it. And come back and talk nonsense. 
Let me tell you how to reduce your punishment. Even if you decide that you don't want to enter in, don't discourage anyone else. Don't pull anyone down with you. All those hearing what I'm saying, wherever you are, whenever you're hearing this, do not tell people because you've looked at yourself how you have fallen and you made a choice five years before. This is the year 2028. You made a choice that I can't resist it. I must run for this office. I've always desired. I couldn't get... God has said no, but I, I, I'll cut away from everyone that will tell me what God is saying and I'll pursue my idol. I'll go on to do this and do that and achieve this and pursue this and hold on to this. Even when God has said don't. And you have not laid that thing on the altar before him in obedience to him. And it's in disobedience. You dare not stand with your significantly advanced knowledge of scripture and revelation into things and use it and pull down others. Are you hearing me? You dare not stand and go, <laughs> I like your zeal, but let me break it down to you. From Adam to Abraham, you dare not. Better sit in a church and be a good church member. I didn't say you shouldn't teach them if you had the opportunity. You dare not open your mouth and contradict this thing I'm saying. You dare not stand there and say things like, listen to me, you can pursue your dreams while being an overcomer. God gave you the power to dream dreams. When you conceive a dream and put all your resources towards it, God will bring it to pass. He has given us the right to ask for whatsoever we will. Every good gift every is from above. And then you misquote the Bible back and forth, dodge all sorts of things. You avoid distinguishing overcomers from this... Uh, believer, you do all of that you know? now what you're doing, you're about to get punished because you could, and I'm, I'm not joking, you could go on just being a Christian your name is in the book of life, really but if you start saying all these potential overcomers are to my level, you guys will not run faster than me and you pull them back, now you have you have weakened the hands of the laborers you're using yourself as an example and saying, I know all this. And they are wowed by your knowledge. Even by your giftings. You switch on your, 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 your gifts. You, you, in case you don't know, this is what many, many, most preachers are doing. So I'm not talking about a strange thing. You switch on your gift. It's operating. The only difference between maybe you and some of those preachers is that they don't know what you know. So you are already in trouble. And you say, contract, not because you've tested what you're saying and it's true, and you're holding fast to what is good, but because you bowed down to that idol eventually, so you've dragged others to bow down to it with you so here they are, trying to carry two things at the same time not praying, not my will but thine, no, they don't pray that not taking up a cross to follow, no, 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 no. Jesus was crucified on the cross already, how many of you have come across people saying that Say Jesus was crucified already that you don't need to take up the cross. In spite of the, all the scripture, look at all those hands. So why did Jesus say, Paul, Peter, everyone, why? Why did they say you should take up the cross? And here you are preaching against the cross. You are doing what Paul had prophesied or said, or talked about. He said whose God is their belly, whose end is destruction, that they are against the gospel 
of the cross of Christ. He said, but we will preach Christ and him crucified. That's what we preach. The true gospel is the gospel of Christ. And not just Christ. Powerful Christ. Mm -mm. Christ crucified. That's the gospel. That's what we preach. He said the message of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. These ones don't preach the message of the cross. Because it's foolishness. They look at you and laugh. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying. Has anyone come across people that will laugh at you? Saying that you should suffer for God. They laugh. It's fool. I mean born again Christians. It's foolishness. Why? They are perishing. They are on the broad road that leads to destruction. He said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They didn't say unbelievers. He said, my people. So you dare not drag people onto that road. Please, go alone. I am serious. Your discipline will be less. But if you drag people down, if you pull people down with you, watch what is coming your way. You just hear this audio playing on Judgment Day, for sure. Be playing over your head. Just get ready. That servant that knew his master's will and did things deserving stripes. Beyond his many. Bible says you'll be beaten severely. So I'm advising all those who will turn back or look back. Don't carry anyone with you. Just keep quiet. Just do it alone. Don't drag anyone with you. There are levels of discipline. There are levels of reward. Always do the... If it's reward, go for the highest, yes? If it's punishment, go for the lowest, okay? Mm. There's different kinds of unrighteousness. It's not equal. We've studied this many times. Don't let anyone deceive you. Always go for the least. If you must do it, go for the lesser evil. There's nothing like sin is sin. <laughs> sin has different consequences. The wages of sin is death. There are different levels of death. The Bible does not say everything is equal. It says eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's not eye for tooth. Blow for blow. It's not burn for blow. It's burn for burn. This is the word of God. It's scripture. So you do not go for the higher punishment. If you must do folly, David, if you must commit adultery, do not kill the husband. Your children will not start killing themselves. Someone might sleep with your wife, but your children will not murder themselves. Go for the lesser evil. Ah, I was angry, so I talked to him rudely. Lesser evil. I was angry, so I slapped him. Ha! Slap is not talk, oh. Lesser evil. I was tempted, so I took some of your Hagari. I was tempted, so I took her 10,000. <laughs> you should have gone for the Gary. The Gary, oh. Carry the Gary. is a sino, but the Gary is better than the 10,000. When they remove your clothes and walk you around. It's not Gary, oh. Gary talk. Nobody would have heard. In fact, the first person, the person I've reported will tell you, you keep quiet. Can you give someone your Gary? But the 10,000. Ha. I'm praying for you, are you understanding? Don't say sin is sin. I was tempted. So I now rob my body. I was tempted. So I now enter the bed with him. Nobody has ever had HIV. From masturbation. People have had HIV on their first sexual encounter. A pastor's daughter. 
first. She took HIV and left. One time. HIV. Once. So if you don't may you not clip out this part and say I was saying sin once more. Don't sin at all. It's your children, I'm telling this to you so you don't sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate. You do you see what these guys did? If they had tempted God nine times, would they have entered the promised land? If they had obeyed this one time, would they have entered? Did they have a track record of sin and disobedience? <laughs> it is that line crosser that me I'm discussing. That one where you go, final, on your mask, said jump. Ta-ha! And God goes, ta Enough. That's the one. That's, have you heard of people that want to travel and God is telling them, stop, 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 stop. All sorts of things. And they have an accident and die and don't come back. And people start saying, did you hear? He said this. They even told me this. That person had different levels of warnings. You come out, you can't find the key. You drive from here to here, the tire bust. You, ah, uh, ah, uh, bro. Even if you're dead, what's wrong with you? Your wife had a dream or your husband. This, that, that, that. Go home. Don't go. Hey, yeah, have you heard? Unfortunately, he ran into armed robbers. A street bullet. Mm-mm. That's not what happened. Nobody talks about what happened. In our pity and desire to show condolences, nobody really talks about what happened. Things don't just happen. Always trying to tell me things. Hey, yeah, it was so unfortunate. Hey, yeah, cancer. Hey, yeah, high blood pressure, blood cancer. And hey, yeah, you medical people. Well, you know what? Let me pray a prayer for you. That Father, God, Father, open their eyes to see the reasons behind the things they see. In the name of Jesus. So I'm asked, I've asked the Father to give you. Sometimes you'll be there with a patient around, and he show you what's really behind it. Sometimes all you need to do is you need to repent. Seven years ago, you did this. You need to repent. That's all. And that person will get well. You see this running around, you're doing all this stuff you're doing. You're just elongating the time of pain before death. And so people will take their hands and their mouths and their lives and do things. And God goes, ah, you've raped seven girls so far. In spite of what you know. The next one you touch, that will be your end. And the next one you thought, that's your end. What will we hear? Ah, did you see a car hit someone on that road? Oh, they'll be, they said they brought someone to the emergency ward. There was no blood. So the person died. That's the story. Do you know we actually sit there and discuss how Nigeria is bad? Why they shouldn't give the person blood? Your discussion is of very little relevance. If you have any idea of what happened. An angel of death was sent against that person. That person was taken out. There's nothing you could have done to stop him from dying. They, for sure, they couldn't be blood. In fact, if they have brought, brought the blood, they have wasted. The blood was saved for other people. Phones will be off, phone calls will not work, money, everything will happen. Doctor, doctor will be sleeping at home. Weird stuff. Have you not heard of God save people and people, they tell stories and they say, God is wonderful. I don't even know how it happened. Have you heard stories that started? I don't know how it happened. Then you hear stories that everything seems like it should be perfect. And the exact opposite happens. Because people don't... It's only when they read the Bible, they say, and the Lord sent an angel and struck him. They say, hey, yeah. And you think God has changed. He has never changed and will never change. This happened. So, medical personnel or anybody else, you have to learn to ask questions. You have to learn to... You know, one of our people the other day, uh, law people was in court. And 
they sentenced someone to death just some last week. And they sentenced him to death. What for? He killed someone years ago. Some years ago. The person was pregnant and he snuffed the life. It is said, it's believed in the judgment. He strangled the person and then finished the person off by a pregnant woman. You know, there's no manslaughter plea there, right? You didn't mistakenly. The judge said, if you had hit, you know, if you took something and hit someone in the head, it can be said, I, I, I didn't know it was a mistake, yes? But you know, it kind of has to be intentional to press someone's neck till they die. You know, it takes a while. Human beings don't go, ah, ah. No. They, they take time. And they are kicking and fighting and you're still pressing. And in fact, the story is that after I did that, he now used a pillow and pressed her nose to make sure. So they sentenced him to death. And they talked about how someone was there, maybe the wife, and she was praying in tongues. And the sentence was gone. You're hereby sentenced to death by hanging. <laughs> done. Now, do you know what the death sentence is? And don't, you know, I talked about it long ago, uh, last year with the church here, and I asked you, do you think it's wrong to Capital punishment is wrong. That's the killing of people for crimes. And a number of you raised your hands. And I told you it's not wrong. It's in the Bible. Don't be, don't be ridiculous. Do you know what it is? It is a referral to the Supreme Court of the universe. It's, we can't handle this thing. Listen, when you steal a ship, you're meant to return four sheep according to the law of Moses. Oxen five for one. You know, you kidnap a human being, you're meant to be killed. You, you kill someone. Murder, not manslaughter, not by error. You kill someone intentionally. You plan and kill the person like this story. You're not meant, there's no appeal to it. There's no story. Once it is established clearly that you did kill the person, the punishment was murder. You are meant to be removed from the earth. Why? It's not revenge. It is, Lord God, we don't know how to handle this matter. We are sending someone to you. I'm not joking. I'm really serious. It's a referral to the Supreme Court of Heaven. He, God alone can handle this. So you hurry the person up. You send him upstairs. I've told you death is not such a big deal. The way we make it. Dead, 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 they died. What, what's dying? Many people that are there are a thousand times happier than living people. So what are you saying? You guys are alive. How happy are you? Alive, alive, alive. Alive for what? Life to suffer. Look at what God said. We have to finish in very few minutes now. How long must I bear with this evil congregation that murmurs against me? What did they say in verse 2? And all the Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron. Look at God in verse 26, 27. How long will I bear with this evil congregation that murmurs against me? I have heard the complaints of the Israelites that they murmured against me. Every time you murmur against someone that is bringing the truth, the truth of God's word, you're murmuring against God. Don't ever bother to call the person's name. Don't commit the same sin. Remember, the Bible gave four reasons why they didn't enter the promised land in First Corinthians chapter 10. Idolatry, immorality, murmuring, and tempting Christ. Four things. And the Bible says clearly, in the New Testament, he said, remember that your forefathers went through this, and they did this and this, and they didn't enter. And he now said, let him that thinks he stands, take it lest he fall. You that thinks you're standing in Jesus, he used this to warn us, 
Till today, people are saying it's different. That was the law. That was then. Till today. In spite of the fact that these whole stories were lifted and planted in the new, under the new covenant. People still don't believe it. People have not still learned. They are still saying, no, it's by grace. And causing confusion. And look at how, what he says. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, he swears again, as I live, surely as I live, I will surely do to you just what you have spoken in my hearing. Be careful of what you say. We talked about vows the other day. Watch what you say. It's not just about the vows of, I'll give God anything. It's about the vows of, I can never, don't use those words. I will not. Pride, oh God, pride is bad. Pride will make you, pride will put you in trouble all around. I can never, I will not, nothing will make me. Mm, 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 mm. You utter words and go, the angels are listening. Oh. And like you said it now, that you said, when did I say it? Some of you, you say something now, you forget now. Oh God, you should be careful what, before you open your mouth, I don't know if you find salutate. Open it slowly. There's child whispering. I or have an advisor. I'm about to talk. This is what I was thinking of saying. Should I say it? But to just blast your mouth. Let us. It's even better if, please, before you complete a sentence that starts with, it is even better. See, we don't have time. I love you guys so much. I want to save your life. Before you start sentences like that, the moment you start a sentence and it's, it's, it's things like, isn't it better I was... Oh, stop. 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 Forget whoever is in front of you. No. Let your pride die. Um, um, okay. Don't worry. You can pretend. Stamp your feet and walk away in a huff. Just come up with something. But don't complete that sentence. It's even better I was not it's even better that, that I'd never known you. It's even better that, 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 that I never touched you. It's even better. You, let's say it was someone's property you borrowed. Let's say it was a book you borrowed to read. Your brain might wipe off all that knowledge. You might lose all. You might sit in exam hall like you won't remember an iota of anything you read from that book. Didn't you say it was better? God said, I've heard you. Receive it. It's even better. Uh, I didn't know you. Every benefit you may have had from that relationship may disappear. You said it. So don't say things like that. I was angry. Be angry and don't sin. Or better, be angry. I regret ever. Don't use those phrases. Drop all that. It's always pride that leads to all these strong expressions. It's pride. Ever. You didn't say I regret. Say I regret ever. You really want to make it you're trying to impress everyone to show how eh, here's your mouth firing rapid destruction. And now if God now says, ah, okay, you say you want to do wilderness death, receive it. He said to them, as surely as I live, I'll do to you as you have spoken in my hearing, your dead bodies will fall in this wilderness. All those of you who were numbered according to your full number, from 20 years old and upward, who have murmured against me. That's the third time he's saying they murmured against them. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't act like there was a Moses or Aaron. So it's me. That nonsense you're saying, you're saying it against me. You're not saying it against 
Moses or Aaron. You knew I'm the one that sent them. You knew they were not doing their will. You knew. If you thought they were doing their will, question, like I've asked you guys here before, why didn't you go and meet Moses? Moses was very meek. The daughters of Zelophehad could meet Moses. Women. You. You couldn't meet Moses? Why couldn't you meet Moses and say, excuse me, sir. This thing. I don't think I agree with you. You kept quiet and did your will. And murmured against. And spread it like a disease in the camp. When God reacts to you. And that's what we are supposed to look at today. And we have looked at it. And we will continue in a further meeting. We will look at the sons of Korah. That has laid the groundwork. They were mad. Do you know after everything that happened here, the sons of Korah didn't get it. Remember they said, let's choose a leader. Two chapters later, a certain fellow called Korah. He had daughter, daughter and Abiram, joined him. Got up of the Levites. He was a cousin to Moses and Aaron. You're taking too much on yourself. This family of uh, uh, Richie Richie. It's not only you that we too, all of us, all of God's people are holy. All, all, all of us, all of us are holy. Mm. Because the Bible says that you are a holy nation, chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. Rabakata. And God killed him. Dead. It was called the rebellion. He didn't learn from this. Which is why I'm always afraid of people that don't learn from anything. It's like nothing that happened. It's like it doesn't enter their head. That, that was down. That was down. That, I told you, they accounted for you. They accounted all. By his own, God didn't give all this time. The ground opened. He swallowed him. And he mixed fire with it. I don't know what the fire was for. If the ground opened, isn't that enough? He put fire inside it too. <laughs> for dramatic effect. You know the back lights of fire. You know the effects now. Put fire. God mixed fire. That's what happened to them. People of God, rebellion, whether it is by the whole house or whether it is by a few people, at that time it was 250. But because the people of God, those guys were dumb, dear God, you read it. After they died, these guys opened their mouth again and said, these people have killed the people of God. God started killing them. He killed 14,000. Did you read it? God was like, ah, Moses, ah, Moses, stop, stop, stop. He didn't tell, he always used to tell Moses before, let me kill these people. Let me kill he didn't tell him anything. He just started killing them. <laughs> By the time Moses said, Aaron, run! With your incense, pray! 14,000 were already dead. Look at the speed of death. Do you know how many 14,000 people are? Look at the speed. That's what God had been wanting to do since. But because he had promised Moses, I'll hear your prayer. So by the time he drew the line, <clears throat> say, up to there, stop dying. It's the same Moses that saved them. If Moses didn't open his mouth, they were dead. What would because God is like, wait, is it not you guys that just forgave? I'm asking you a question. Carry this one and go come back next week. Didn't God say he wouldn't wipe them all out at once? In two chapters later, he almost did. Why? Because that was for that sin. This one was a new sin. You remember what he told Eli? He said, I promised your ancestor, Phineas, that you always serve before my house, but you will know my breach of promise. There will not be a single person in your household that will be left in the priesthood. He did it. Until today, people are saying, no, God can never lie. God can never lie. He's not a man. But he will show himself pure to the pure. And to the crooked, he will show himself truth. Ask Judas. Ask the people in the book of Jude. Ask them. Ask the angels that left their abode. 
God is God. Did you hear when Moses said, you are merciful, long-suffering, how he ended, there is no way of overlooking sin? God does not overlook sin. He has never and will never. There's no, please, any doctrine you've heard, no matter what you've heard, I talked about God's love and goodness today. I always do. But believe me, God always punishes sin. And some people can accelerate the punishment. Some can slow it down or cause it to be overlooked. Different things contribute. But the laws of the Spirit rule the affairs of men. And I encourage you, as you are going to pray, right where you are, <coughs> you are going to take one minute or two and pray and ask God that He will, I don't know, maybe you should stand so you don't sleep. If you, I mean, if you, if you know if you're sleeping anyway, you won't sit, sit, but make sure you pray. Ask God to deliver you from, deliver you from an evil heart. I don't know what an evil heart is, but I think it is something that makes people doubt God, no matter what He does. It, it's a hardening, that thing I talked about, hardness of heart. It, it's, it's a condition where, no, it's like, I don't care the sign. I don't care. Ask God to deliver you from anything that makes you despise any and everything you see. To go on being how you were. And to repeat, to tempt Christ, to repeat error as the, in fact, it's taking God's mercy for granted. It's where you look at God's mercy and say, I know he's going to, I don't, this one, I don't know if they expect him to forgive them. They just, they like making Moses and Aaron their punching bag. I think that's what happened. They, they had something, they, it's a devilish boldness. It's a boldness from hell. It's a wrong kind of boldness. Where you ignore signs and wonders. Ignore everything. Everything God has done in your life and proven to you. And go on to keep doubting. It's an evil heart of unbelief. To Hebrews 3 and 4. An evil heart of unbelief. Ask God to purge you and deliver you from every such now, as you're praying that prayer, add there, including from people that carry such reports. I've told you, you can't listen to every preacher. I don't care how popular they are. If you listen to them and your heart changes, you have your Bible. Spend that time reading your Bible and confirming the things you have heard, whether they are so. Focus on checking if the things that are said are so, rather than listening to trash. And something you knew clearly and that was very clear to you, you change your opinion. About it. This short holiday we had, we had people that went through that. This holiday. Everything, they just shifted aside and went like, they didn't believe it anymore. Because they listened to trash. That's the power of listening to nonsense. Listening to evil reports. The best thing they should have done to those 10 spies is to say, shut up! Or we will stone you. Instead of stoning the 10 spies, they want to stone Joshua and Caleb. When you don't know who to stone, you don't know who to attack, you don't know who to speak and say, no, this is false. When you mix up things, not because they are right, but because your heart is bad. You are looking for someone to support your idol. Pray now. Pray about all of this. Make sure you do. That God will deliver you from you an evil heart of unbelief, and he will deliver you from ten spies, those who bring evil reports. You will not give them your time or your ears or your attention. Pray. Pray hard. Pray well. Peel for mercy. Mighty God, 
ask for mercy, God. Deliverance from hardness of heart, from stubbornness and pride, from an evil heart of unbelief, from disobedience. It's disobedience. It's only disobedience that turns us into evil believers. Ask God to deliver you from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Idols. Things that make people that should not be attractive to you attractive. What makes you want to listen to someone who lives a disobedient life? A desire for your own wrong desires to be satisfied. What is the struggle if you believe? Don't sin eight or nine times. It only brings you closer to the number ten. So don't say, I will do and I'll stop at nine. Mm-mm. Don't do one or two. But if you do, don't go to three or four. Don't bring yourself near to God's number ten. Ask God to keep you from tempting the Lord. From accumulating sin and saying, maybe it will not get up to the number that will cross the line. If you have idols, it might be wise to present them to God. Tell his presence to bring it crashing down. Idols will take you away from your inheritance. Idols. Jesus. Thank you, great God. Thank you, great God. Father God, lift your hands. We ask for mercy. Deliver us from an evil heart of unbelief. That causes people to depart from the living God. May we follow you all the days of our lives. Oh God, deliver us from unbelievers that are leaders. May I never follow a leader that does not believe. Let us see them from afar. All those that don't believe we can overcome the giants. Let us know them from afar. May we block our ears to their words, oh God. May they not be able to speak in our space, oh God. Cause the voice of the Caleb's and Joshua's in this time to be heard loud and far. Turn the hearts of your people. Cause us all to be like Joshua's and Caleb's. Help us give the good reports. Help deliver the good news. And help us ignore the crowd and the multitude. Forgive us for all murmuring. All murmuring against you. In different ways. Saying that your way is not right. That your methods are not good. That you are too harsh. Forgive us, O God. Let your long suffering speak on behalf. Your ways are better than life. Your ways are better than life. You have told us to die that we might live. We would rather not live and then die. I would rather not experience the second death. I would rather not partake in the lake of fire. I would rather be purified, salted by fire today, and escape into life in the days ahead. Cause us to know the things that have been hidden. Let the seals be broken to us, O God. Cause us to know things that were appointed for these end days, O God. Bring us into the abundance of your love. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise God. We pray you receive eyes to see, ears to hear, and an understanding heart. Remember, 
Test all things and hold fast to what is good. For more information, visit our website at gods-lighthouse.org.